you're listening to the Down East Mike Podcast, the quirky little podcast from me. And now, your host, Down East Mike. Dee, dee, doo, dee, dee. Good morning, everybody. This is Down East Mike. You found the Down East Mike Podcast coming to you live from Down East, Maine, way, way down east along the Maine coast. Can't you just picture me in some fish shack sitting up on the shore, maybe smoking a pipe and looking out over the water and watching the boats just kind of going around the harbor? I wouldn't even, uh, I wouldn't even want to go out on a boat right now. It's too cold out there. Starting to be more like winter here in down east Maine. Uh, today is Down East Mike episode number 68. That's a 6 and an 8. We have news and commentary for December 10th, 2022. Uh, it's Saturday, too. And we do have a motto here. It's a disclaimer in case you're kind of, what do they call it, like triggered anxiety and things like that, in case you have anxiety. Um because some of this is whimsy, some of this is true, and the interpretation of it all is entirely up to you. Let's get to the uh, the world headlines first, and then we have some local headlines, and we're just quite excited about all the content of our, our, our podcast today, all the stuff that happened on this day going back a number of years ago and you'll see it kind of lines up with what's going on today things didn't change much over in qatar there was a tragic death of a u.s soccer journalist grant wall he died covering the world cup in qatar he was only 49 years old his brother says he thinks he was killed there's a lot of understory there some backstory on that one other international headlines She's just awful. Critics are swinging after Kristen Sinema ditches the Dems. She's the senator in Arizona that's going over to, to independent status. Trump would still have lost despite Twitter's election interference. That's Elon Musk. The U.S. accuses Russia of providing weapons fighter jets to Iran. Cops in the Idaho murder case are threatening sleuths with criminal charges. And from Kansas, the oil spill is the biggest breach in Keystone Pipeline history. A lot of those international headlines. Let's see. Uh, China tackles medical supply snags, price gouging amid COVID fears. You only have to sell a little bit of something in China to each person to make a whole lot of money, right? Let's look at into uh, the main uh, headlines to see if there's anything happening here. RSU 21 confirms a whooping cough case at Sea Road School in Kennebunk. Record set number of women will serve in the state legislature in 2023. And anything else here is local? It's not much local main news. They always just have the international news. Uh, they have nothing local. Winter-like temperatures arrived this weekend. We'll cover that in the forecast. Portland Public Schools have reached an agreement to resolve ongoing payroll issues at Boren. 
And anything else? Missing St. George woman found dead in water near home. Tragic loss there. She was out wandering, I guess. Stumbled into the water. All right. Well, let's go look at some other stuff. Let's look at from 1971. Oh, no. We have a place name of the day. That's right. We have to do that. Cape Smoky. Cape Smoky. It's the old French name of this place was Cape and Fume. And it was so named on account of the cloud of mist which so often envelopes this storm-swept landmark of the Gulf. The Indian name for this cape was Sac Pedich, meaning a smooth bathing place. There are two white hills or cliffs to the southwest of the cape. Pinchon says these two hills were known in 1760 as the Vales of Cape Unfum. And actually, that's in Cape Britain, Nova Scotia. But that's where we have our place names book. And we like to go look those up because they're so entertaining. We have birthdays today. Happy birthday to Harold of Berwick. He turns 92 today. Harold is recently retired from writing for the public eye. Oh, the adult eye. Oh, I see. And says that he frowns when he looks back on his body of work. Samantha of Bowden will be 35 today. Happy birthday, Samantha. Uh, she's working on her master's degree in psychology and hopes to work with disadvantaged youth in some capacity. So from 1971, we have this headline. The country is still in a recession, the majority believe. By 49 to 23%, most Americans agree with the statement that President Nixon is putting the country on the road to economic recovery. Oh, to go back to December 10th, 1971. But by 56 to 27%, a majority of the public still believes the U.S. is in a recession. The dominant public mood is that the direction of the economy may be turned around, but new economic measures in Washington still have not had a profound or visible impact. Uh, cross-section of, of households surveyed about this. Are there some major products you have postponed buying in the past year or so that you plan to buy in the next few months or not? And the will buy soon category was 15% and no plans to buy was 79%. So they're holding on to their pocketbooks in, on this day in 1971, we see an ad here for lobster. Two claw, one pound average, a dollar thirty-nine a pound. Above one pound, it's a dollar forty-nine a pound. That was in Brewer TNK Seafood. And I think we had another ad from 1971. It's pretty disturbing. It looks like some kind of abuse ad. It's a hand in a suit, reaching down. It's a gloved uh, or hand coming out of a suit jacket, reaching down and grabbing a hand that looks like a working man's shirt. It's all wrinkled and not ironed. And it and the, it's from the National Alliance of Businessmen. And the ad goes like this. There are victims of poverty who are unskilled, unemployed, and unwanted. How does a guy like that hang on when there's nothing to hang on to? Reach out, Mr. Businessman. Hire the disadvantage. You'll get a loyal employee and a hard worker. And we'll help pay for the training. Reach out. 
for a phone or a pen right now. Jobs, contact the National Alliance of Businessmen. Boy, that's not condescending, huh? There was a study that came out in 1971 on this day, published. It's a study to continue on blood worms. The main department of sea and shore fisheries has received $6,000 to continue a study to see if blood worms can be raised in the warm salt water near atomic plants. Senator Margaret Chase Smith said the New England Council contributed six grand as partial support for the second year of the study. The main Yankee Corporation is paying the remainder of the unannounced total cost. Now, why would Maine Yankee want to sponsor a study on the growth of anything near a nuclear power plant? Hmm. The bloodworms that are used for bait are presently produced by professional diggers along the coast. In terms of price per pound, the worm is one of the most valuable products in the state of Maine. We have a wonderful state with our, our most esteemed exporters, uh, either a worm or a lobster. The estimated demand far exceeds the available natural supply, and the state fisheries researchers want to see if the worms cannot be raised in the warm water near the main Yankee atomic plant. That was in 1971. There's a picture here of a card of thanks from Adam Morgan, who was 36 years old at the time. He came to the U.S. from Iran in 1966 as a penniless immigrant, and he's holding a copy of a 50-pound, 8-by-4-foot-tall oil-painted Christmas card that he was sending to President Nixon. Now a citizen and married and the owner of a dry cleaning plant, he says the card is his thanks to the American people for his good fortune. Could you even send an 8-by-4-foot oil-painted Christmas card in the mail today? I, I don't think so. On this day, 1971, the FDA wanted to put more iron in bread. The FDA has proposed that American bakers be required to double the iron content of their white bread and remove all vitamin D. A spokesman for the American Bakers Association said the industry would probably support the changes. This was the first proposed change in the nutritional content of white bread since the first requirements were set forth in 1941. Amounts of other nutrients also would be affected with fixed levels replacing the ranges presently allowed for vitamin B1, vitamin B2, niacin, and calcium. The proposed regulations would take effect in February unless the industry can convince the FDA to the contrary. This would also increase amounts of the same nutrients in enriched flour to amounts that would result in bread and rolls with nutrient levels matching those proposed for commercially baked white bread. Commercially baked white bread. Citing widespread high prevalence rates of iron deficiency anemia, the FDA said the average iron intake in the U.S. has declined in recent decades due to decreased caloric intakes, less contamination of foods with extraneous sources of iron, and the virtual disappearance of iron cooking vessels. Didn't know you could get iron out of your cooking vessel. It also said too much, too much vitamin D can be harmful, and Americans now get enough from milk, 
baby formulas, cereals, and dietary supplements. Remember when a special case cereal had so much vitamins in it, you could taste it, it was like copper? Leaving vitamin D in bread, said the FDA, may only serve to increase to excessive levels the intake of vitamin D by infants, children, and pregnant women. Although vitamin D prevents rickets and maintains proper calcium balance in the body, excess amounts can cause nausea, diarrhea, weight loss, and hardening of the arteries. Vitamin D is bad. Other news. U.S. Department is suing the chain over male discrimination was the headline. It was out of Washington, D.C. The Labor Department announced Thursday it's filing a second lawsuit charging McDonald's drive-in restaurants with discriminating against male employees by paying them less than women for the same work. There are only two cases ever filed by the government involving equal pay violations against men since the Federal Equal Pay Act was passed seven years ago. The latest suit was filed in Milwaukee against McDonald's Drive-In in Wisconsin. Uh, let's see, child labor violations also were alleged in seven of the complaints. The restaurants were accused of paying women order takers, most of whom were 18 years of age or older, as much as 55 cents an hour more than male order takers, many of whom were uh, 16 years of age or older. The suit asked the court to enjoin further violations of the Equal Pay Act and to order McDonald's to pay its male employees back wages to make up their losses plus 6% annual interest. The suit was first filed against two McDonald's restaurants in Chicago. That was an interesting story. Also, the office party survives. The office Christmas party, this is out of New York. Uh, office Christmas party, which has survived charges, it destroys company morale and breaks up marriages, also has survived the 1970-71 to 71 recession. The Administrative Management Society reports that in spite of all the criticism and the recession, about as many companies as ever will have office parties this Christmas. The actual proportion is 68%, down only 1% in the past four years. What a silly survey. Liquor will still be served at 74% of the gatherings this year, compared with only 67% four years ago. Nothing else has changed much either, except that the proportion of companies in which employees will contribute to the cost of the parties has gone up. 23% to 25%. For all the rest, the boss pays. The office Christmas party. Who remembers one of those? Okay, from Fort Kent, we had a letter to the editor. In your editorial, More to Life Than Rights, you lay the blame of unacceptable dress only on the teachers. When these teachers were hired and their contracts renewed, were there any standards set down? Since when can the Bangor Daily News or the Chelsea School Board decide an ambiguous thing as acceptable dress? Is the fat teacher in a skin-tight maxi more acceptable than the braless teacher in a skirt? And do fringed dungarees disrupt a hard-working class? 
Perhaps they should go all the way and outlaw beards, mustaches, and skirts above the knee. If the students who are the concerned party found these disruptive to their studies, they would be persuading their teachers to forgo them. Grass skirts and rings in the nose will not occur because these things are to be laughed at and looked down upon. T-shirts and dungarees have been here for a long time, and demanding adherence to an ambiguous dress code will only serve to make these teachers into martyrs. And that was from Mike Meyer. That was a great letter to the editor, wasn't it? A little from the Lewiston Evening Journal, December 10th, 1901. We had some little want ads here we thought we would share. Wanted to buy a second-hand phonograph in good condition or a store replica. Uh, I'm not sure what that is. That's from Geo Wilson and Sabatis. Here's one from F.H. Briggs in Auburn. Wanted a single man to do farm work must be of good habit and a good milker. Oh, to find a good milker for your farm. Wanted two bright, energetic men for good paying business. That was from Waterville. Uh, let's see. 3,000 cords of pine bolts. Cash paid for same. That was out of Auburn Box and Lumber Company. 3,000 cords. That's a lot of, a lot of wood. Somebody at number 78 in Bates Street in Auburn wanted to buy second-hand furniture and pianos. Uh, let's see, we had, uh, oh, a man man to care for a team, fires, etc., permanent position, that was out of Auburn. Dead horses removed for $2 each, telephone connection. Bradley uh, and Stevens, stable 114 Middle Street in Lewiston. Interesting uh, kind of a uh, merge of the two cultures there. They were looking to remove dead horses, and you could call about it. So the phone was new, the horses bridging that gap to the other era. And wanted to buy gold and silver. That hasn't changed much, has it? Money loaned on personal property, $5 and up. We had some news out of Durham. Mrs. Sarah Lang of Durham received a very bad cut on the forehead a few days ago from a stick of wood while splitting some kidlins. Mr. Tracy, the father of Mrs. C.H. Bliss, was uh, in the hospital in critical condition from gangrene in his leg and foot. The river is now being crossed on ice December 10th, 1910. Uh, the snow in the last storm drifted very badly. They have just got the crossroads shoveled out. Mr. Trufant visited the schools in town last week. He began his school at the Bend Monday, December 9th. I don't know why we need to know that. Uh, the farmers will begin putting in their ice this week. It is a foot thick on the pond and clear. It's hard to believe it was on the same day. Had a little ad here. When a woman grows nervous and irritable, she says and does things which cause her untold suffering. She says something unkind to her husband, boxes her child's ears, and then shuts herself in her room to weep and wonder why she is so ugly. To an experienced physician, the answer 
the reason is not far to seek. There is local derangement of the womanly organs, and the nerves are strained to the limit of endurance. Who hasn't been there, huh? The suffering woman is not to blame for lack of self-control. The cure of nervous disorders which result from diseases of the womanly organs, it's one of the special features of Dr. Pierce's favorite prescription. It heals inflammation and ulceration, cures female weakness and the backache, headache, and nervousness caused by these diseases, cured at the same time. Wouldn't you like to know what is in, uh, what the ingredients are in that little gem? We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor. Welcome, tourists. And while you're remain visiting and working up an appetite, I hope you'll enjoy some of Captain Frank's Weasel brand crab meat. It's the finest crab meat this side of Nova Scotia. Wholesale only, but that don't matter. I'm sure you're going to work up an appetite and you'll eat it all. Oh, and by the way, please don't ask about our t-shirt. We've only got one left. So let's look at some other uh, news from 1901. A Wesley man just shipped 175 pounds of spruce gum from Machias to Boston. His method of securing his gum crop is first to go through the forest and cut a small slip of bark from the sides of the trees. When he again visits the trees during the winter months, the trees are covered along that part where the bark was removed with gum of the finest quality, nice spruce gum. Members of the life-saving crew at Popham one morning this week witnessed a very brilliant meteor fall about 3.30 a.m. They describe it as an immense ball of white fire with a long red tail. It fell to the earth to the eastward and the whole heavens were illuminated. Some of the people at Popham were awakened by the bright light thinking there was a fire. Isn't that exciting? 1901. Well, let's look at uh, Maine's fish of the day. The, uh, I thought this was something. The brown bullhead, it's the common name. It's also called a bullhead, a hornpout, or catfish. Maine has a catfish. Amirius nebulsus. That's hard to say, for me anyway. Uh, in Maine, adult bullheads are usually about 10 inches long and weigh less than one pound. Fish up to 14 inches are occasionally caught, but fish 18 inches and larger are rare in Maine. As the name implies, the brown bullhead is dark brown to olive green on the back with mottled sides and a creamy white belly. Individuals Having white patches on their sides and back are common in some main waters. Brown bullheads have a thick, rounded body, a broad, somewhat flattened head with a distinctive set of whiskers around the mouth called barbells. The dorsal and pectoral fins have sharp sawtooth spines at their base that can be locked, and the caudal fin is square and there's a pronounced fin there, they have no scales on their skin. And then we have a guide to the best fishing spots for catfish in Maine. With all the cold water in Maine, it doesn't make a good home for most catfish. 
You can find catfish in some private ponds and in the river systems like the Kennebec River, but the only serious populations of catfish are in the few major lakes like Damascata, Flagstaff, Graham Lake, and Sebago Lake. Uh, I know one of the longtime listeners of the podcast, John, may remember uh, in, in Brattleboro in the Connecticut River, if you could stand on that bridge as you're going into downtown Brattleboro and you looked over the side, there were always catfish in the summer up near the surface. And they were huge because they were coming up from the nuke plant there, the Yankee nuke plant. I think they're just like the uh, bloodworms they were trying to grow. Those cat, those nuke catfish, they were big. I had a little story here we found from downeast.com. To most anglers in Maine, landing a catfish, also called a bullhead or horn pout, is no special prize. But to many Southeast Asians in the state, catching and eating the Amerius nebulsus offers a deep connection to culture. Pone Viteso of Sabatis grew up on the banks of the Mekong River in Laos. There, catfish, fried whole, steamed, and in salad and curry is a staple of local cuisine. Every April, to celebrate the traditional New Year, residents of Thailand, Laos, and Cambodia will pray for the arrival of the Mekong giant catfish a highly endangered river beast that can weigh over 600 pounds. And then they put in parentheses as large as a full-grown female moose. Back home, Vitesso says we fish to feed the family. Since arriving in Lewiston in 1981, he and his wife have made their living in the restaurant business. For nearly 20 years, they owned Brunswick's Bangkok Garden, And last fall, they opened the takeout-only Thai Spice in Manchester, Maine. Although catfish isn't on their menu, they do serve a wicked plahrad prick, which is spicy fish made with local haddock. To satisfy his catfish cravings, Vitasso often stalks the muddy banks of Bodenham's Cathans River, a crooked finger of brackish water that feeds into Merry Meeting Bay, which, as we know, goes all the way down to Popham Beach while you follow the river. Here thrives Maine's scaleless species, specimens of which usually run 10 to 14 inches and weigh 1 to 2 pounds. On a good day, Vitasso can fill a bucket with real lunkers about the size of my arm, he says, from wrist to elbow, and he likes to cook them in a traditional way. Deep-fried, garnish with cafreo or holy, basil, lime leaf, galangal root, garlic, chili pepper, and fish sauce. But the catfish back home, he says, always taste much better. Well, I think that's a good note to end the podcast on today. We'll take a quick look at the weather for today. Mostly sunny with a high near 31 degrees. We'll have a north wind 10 to 15 miles per hour with gusts as high as 25. So that means it's going to be pretty cold out there today. For tomorrow, Sunday, it'll be partly sunny with a high near 28 with a north wind around 5 miles per hour. Looking out for the week ahead, Monday, sunny right through Thursday. And temperatures gradually increasing as the week goes on. Well, that is our podcast for today, December 10th, 2022. 
Until next time, this is Down East Mike wishing you and your loved ones a day that is full of grace, love, and kindness. We'll see you. Gonna work from the beach Roll my trousers and eat a peach Just like T.S. Eliot did You can find your sass I'll pretend to listen while I read Leaves of Grass And wait for the clouds to pass We can watch the dolphins range while we wait for climate change The waves will be at our door And I'm so glad that you're in my life I'm so grateful for everything that you are sunshine What's not to like There'll be palm trees in the pine groves And hot temps at midnight There'll be moose on the sidewalk And the bears will never sleep Oh, the frogs will be gigantic but we'll never hear a peep And the crabs are marching north And the centipedes in the igloos Thank you, climate change I'm so glad that you're in my life I'm so grateful for everything that you do i